are you going today, Rachel? I'm doing great. How are you today, Laurie? Good. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast to definitely, you know, attack holistic fitness from the lens of body love, mindset, self-acceptance, body positivity. But I'm super excited that we are in the same city, but recording from two different locations. Yeah, that is pretty amazing, right? We just got done talking about all of our stomping in Greenville. So that's cool. Definitely. We'll run into each other. We'll run into each other one day. For sure. For any locals, they'll know this coffee shop. But I am surprised that Rachel and I have not run into each other at the Village Grind. (laughs) I know, the house of the Krona. Or excuse me, Scouts Donuts. I didn't say Krona, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. We were talking about the beer, right? (laughs) No! (laughs) Scouts Donuts, you know? Well, it's aptly named because you have a book called The Donut Diary. But no, describe these donuts to me. I have not tried them. So they are a family-owned business here in Greenville. They started their business. I mean, to follow their story is so beautiful. They moved here, started this business. But a cronut is basically a donut built upon cro- uh, croissant dough. Right. Ooh. So super buttery then. Oh, yeah. So good. And they have yes. come up with some fantastic flavors. I feel like I need you to try one. Wow. Well, maybe that will be our first friend date. Okay. And welcome to the Holistic Fitness Podcast, where we get your cravings kickstarted with cronuts. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. I'm super excited to have you on the podcast. And I guess we we will be talking about balance and, and how you can A, get your goals, but also have that balance and be positive towards your body. But I feel like, and this is a question I always start the podcast with, Rachel, whenever anyone's in this sort of field, whether it's body positivity, nutrition, fitness, there's some sort of backstory as to why they got there in the first place and why they're helping people in a specific way that they are. So tell me the context that I would need to know to know why you help people in the way you do today. Okay. Well, that is a very, very full question and I'll do my best to keep it <laughs> as condensed as possible. But Often you know, they're long I, stories, Rachel. They're long stories. <laughs> they are. They always are, right? But I mean, listen, it's usually it's the same. I, I've learned that my story is your story and every woman's story. But mm. I grew up, you know, having a very poor relationship, not only with my body, but myself. There was not a lot of self-love or self-confidence growing up. And I happen to be one of those women that my body weight can fluctuate depending on what's going on in my life, depending on my lack thereof of exercise or, you know, any, any situation. And so being in the fitness industry, I felt like that was the right direction to go because not only did I really struggle with my weight. And I felt like having a career that way would kind of keep me on point. But I also really did want to help people. Like I I learned very early that I wanted to help people feel good in their own body. I just didn't realize that, you know, 23 years ago that it was going to morph into this but I'm very grateful for my journey. I wouldn't change it for the world. You know, I started off teaching classes. I then became a personal trainer. I then became a health coach. And now I call myself a body love educator because I've learned through my own experiences that what it really comes down to is you got to love yourself. You can work out until you're, you know, blue in the face. You can diet, diet, diet. But even getting to that goal weight, which I, we can talk about, I was a size zero and miserable. 
you know? So once I learned that I needed to love Rachel, that everything else just seemed so much more palpable, that I could mm. achieve all these other things because I was coming from a place of self-love. I love that. And I love that you started in the fitness industry and you quickly identified that, you know, and I think a lot of people don't realize this. They go in with an aesthetic goal and aesthetic goals are fine, but there are plenty of body builders out there with body dysmorphia. You know, when you get to that goal weight and you haven't done the inner work, it's what can I reach for next? Is it the fake tan? Is it the eyelashes? Is it the Botox? Is it the um, toxic relationship? Not that there's anything wrong with all of those. Well, maybe a toxic relationship, but you know, do what you want aesthetically, but it doesn't necessarily solve the problem. I'm like a little bit curious about you mentioning that you were the type of person where your weight fluctuated a lot. Um, when you're in the fitness industry, like, did you feel like you fit into the fitness industry? I do now, but I yes. will tell you that many points during my career, of course not. And mm. I have not only been telling myself that for years, but I was told by peers that I didn't have the right body to be in the fitness industry. So it, um, it was a little bit of both. Mm. What is the right body to fit into the fitness industry at that time? <laughs> wow, I've never been asked that. I just think that as long as you are thin, you must know what you're talking about. As long That's as your crazy. body, yeah, as long as your body was small, then you must know how to train me and get my body to look like that. So I think that's the misconception. Mm. Why is that a misconception? Do you think? Well, because I personally believe that I am a very smart woman. I'm a very empathetic woman and I'm a great teacher. I, I, I believe that about myself, even when my body image stuff was still kind of up and down. So I never aim to hurt my clients. I never aim to put them through cookie cutter workouts. I just always cared. And I mm. don't think that you'll always find that in the fitness industry. And I also believe that a lot of people who put themselves as trainers, group X, they've never had weight issues. They've always mm. been naturally fit or naturally thin or they, I mean, so not everybody relates to people like myself. Yeah, I I actually think the best trainers are the ones that have a backstory where they understand the struggle because they understand the psychology behind it. And, you know, I think of one of the gyms that I worked in and the most like empathetic and well-rounded trainers, not saying that you have to have a weight loss journey or weight fluctuations or some sort of like body um, struggle in, in some sort of way, even if it's mental, not physical. Um, you can develop empathy without going through that experience. But I can think of somebody who didn't have the typical like quote unquote, like fitness trainer body type. And she was a wildly successful trainer. She was in her forties related to a lot of like the mothers that like went through their post baby weight kind of thing. She'd been through it herself. She was wildly successful and she got her clients results. So I think like this whole thing of like, and, and I think this is why a lot of people get gym anxiety as well. They feel like they need to fit into a certain mold to even own a space at the gym, which is bullshit in my opinion. I agree with you. And I, I, the more and more that I do this work, I'm realizing how that stigmatism still exists. And it makes me so 
sad and, you know, it, it motivates me to keep going because yes. I really believe that there's a whole host of men and women out there who are not getting help because they feel that way. They feel the shame. Mm. They feel that they don't fit in, that their body isn't right to even be seen. And I just know we've got a, a trainer. And that's why part of my work, and I apologize if I'm jumping ahead, but is to also educate fitness and medical professionals now. So, you know, I'm also working with women and men, but I'm also working with that part of it too, because if we don't change this mindset, then this is just going to be something we talk, talk, talk about for the rest of our lives and nothing will ever get done. So that's really important to understand. So thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, no, definitely. It's something I'm super passionate about as well. Let's talk about changing that mindset, but I want to take it back to a comment that you mentioned earlier about, um, you know, it's a lot of women's journeys, probably, you know, mine and yours. Can you explain how that mindset is developed and what sort of messaging um, is given to us for us to loathe our bodies? I think that it starts with the women in our lives, right? My mom my grandmother, the women in, in my circle. I, I can't remember growing up without hearing the talk about, I'm on this diet and I'm doing, I got to lose this five pounds for this event. And it was always a part of the conversation growing up, not only as a young girl, a teenage girl going into my college and, and you know, all those I just don't remember a time where it was just not a part of the conversation amongst women, all women of different ages. And now that I've kind of stepped back and I'm more observing this, it's still a conversation. And I had a girlfriend not too long ago say, why can't we all just hang out together? And like the body is not even a topic. And I said, that is a great goal. Let's, let's strive for it. Mm. But I think that there's still so many women who are uncomfortable in their bodies and feel like because of the diet culture, because of what, you know, unfortunately doctors are still using those antiquated BMI charts that really don't apply to you and I any lot. Well, they never applied because well, we can talk about that another time, but BMI doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. And I think that doctors are still like, well, we learned this and this is what we got to tell you. So if you're, you know, your BMI is this and you need to eat less and move more again, that means nothing. And so there's tons of people running around confused and thinking, well, I can only fix this if I do this. And that usually means restriction. That usually means over-exercising. And it 99.9% means being on some kind of diet. Mm, yeah, interesting. I tell you what, I actually... I think I'm the rare case where I did not have that influence growing up. But I think I would agree with you and most people did. My mom told me that my body was beautiful. She was never on a diet. She was always trying to put on weight and eat more um, because she's naturally quite small and I'm naturally a little bit more curvy. So I was able to observe it from a very young age and, and like my body. So I have the opposite experience, but understand how much the key women in your life do influence you positively or negatively because I had the positive, luckily, you know, yeah. that, that positive experience where even when I am, you know, uh, 
a higher body fat percentage than usual, I still like myself and and not everyone gets that gift. So people who maybe didn't have that gift, how do we step into self-observation and start to love ourselves a little bit more? I I mean, I I can only share with you what my experience was and let you know that I get it that things work differently for everybody. But I will say that nobody can do it for you. You have to do this for yourself. And for me, I started very small. I started the minute something negative would come out of my mouth or the minute something negative would come into my head, I literally would change that with something positive immediately. And I would say something positive about myself every day until one day I actually believed it. And I think that also another very vital part of my journey was I had to stop looking out there for what I really needed in here. So that meant I stopped asking people if I did, I do I look fat in this? I stopped asking Mm. people, do you think I'm pretty? Or do you think I need to lose? I stopped, stopped cold turkey asking other people their opinion about my body and about me. And Mm. that was such a friggin' game changer that I highly recommend that to people everywhere. Yes, I love that. We need to stop consensus building for our looks. And I know it's hard. I know it's hard because everywhere you're inundated with beautiful this and skincare that. And I, I get it. I do get it. But there has to come a point where you stand on your own two feet and you say, you know what? I am a beautiful person and mm. I don't need anyone else to tell me differently. And I think it yes. really does change how you kind of present yourself in the world, how you feel about yourself. And, but I will also say that it's not just like, oh, okay, well, I started believing this about myself and now I never have to think about it. That's not true either. I mean, this has been something that I have been on a journey for, for 11 years. And there's still days where I have to give myself a big old self-love hug and, and really talk myself into, you know, believing it at that moment. Mm, yeah, for sure. The work, the work just evolves, really. I'm also curious about something you said about like influences, um, like outside influences. Do you think women are supportive of each other? Because you you mentioned something about like women just like, can't remember if it was supporting each other, but it was something about women in conversation together. Do you think that we're like supporting each other to be more loving of ourselves? I would say yes, as my, you know, as my answer. Do we need to work on it? For sure. Mm. Do we... I have found, and I'm not 100% sure if it's because I'm older now, but there are many more women who want to support each other, who want to lift each other up, who want to help each other. So I love that. But there are still conversations out there that I hear that are not so supportive of other women. Mm. So I would also advise women to not only support yourself, but to support each other because we're not going to get anywhere if that doesn't change. Mm. I would agree with you in terms of that percentage is going up, but I will tell you my observations of 
how I see women interacting with each other on social media. You know, I am active on social media and as such, I do a lot of research on like body positivity and those sorts of posts. I notice when a woman has a higher body fat percentage, people celebrate her in the in the comments. They say, you are beautiful girl, you go get it. But if a woman has a fit body, body, they are more quick to villainize her. I don't have data to back this up, but I am noticing in comments that very quickly, if you are, you know, a beautiful fit woman, there will be a lot of comments in there that are like, you know, like just picking apart everything they say. Not always, but then if it's somebody like with a body fat percentage of over 40, it's often like all celebrating in the comments. That's something I've noticed on social media recently. And I'm really curious as to like, why that happens because I think we should be celebrating ourselves and I think this comes back to having a mother who struggled with putting on weight is like whether you're thin whether you're large whether you're fit we should celebrate who we are and and continuously work towards health as well but that's just my opinion I love that you say that because I think the mindset like we talked about early on in our conversation body positivity has really struck a chord in the past few years. And it's, Mm. it's beautiful. I'm happy that it's finally getting the traction that it needs, but then people feel the need to, you know, villainize, I'll use your word, the opposite that we strove for, for so many years, right? We strove for that fit body. And I think that I think people believe that they have to be on one side or the other, or they have no conviction. And I would love to just like bring that down a notch. It's like, (laughs) I I think that we've lost sight of being able to see both sides of things. And it's totally okay to love that a woman is feeling beautiful in her body as big or small as it is. And it's really none of our business what their body looks like. Like, I think if we get more on board with their body is none of your business, (laughs) then, but social media is a very dangerous animal, in my opinion, in that sense, because what else are we going to do but comment on other people's things? So if we can learn to just... What is that old expression? If you don't have anything nice to say, then don't say anything at all. I mean, if you want to observe these people's lives, then great. But you don't have to make one person feel bad and the other person feel good. It's why can't we all feel good? That's where mm. I'm coming from. For sure. And I would agree with you. And, and I'm very much of the mindset. If somebody comments on a piece of content and it's unkind or unnecessary, that's a reflection of the person commenting's mental state rather than a reflection of the person posting and putting themselves out there. Because if you are loving yourself, you don't go out and share hate or share unkindness with others. You go out and share love. If you see something you don't agree with, you move on. (laughs) Right? Absolutely. I agree with you. I think that that is beautifully said. Are you tired of constantly feeling burnt out while trying to achieve your goals? Do you find yourself struggling to maintain motivation and productivity over long periods of time? I'd like to introduce you to the Goal Getting Journal, the ultimate solution for those of you who want to surpass their goals without burning out. Our journal is designed to help you set achievable goals, track your progress, and maintain a healthy work-life balance. 
With our journal, you'll discover practical strategies for managing stress, staying motivated and avoiding burnout, including time blocking, habit stacking, and so much more. You'll also learn how to prioritize your tasks and maximize your productivity so you can get more done in less time. The Goal-Getting Journal is perfect for anyone who wants to achieve their goals without sacrificing their mental health and well-being. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a student, or just someone who wants to make any positive change in your life, the Goal-Getting Journal can help you stay on track and avoid burnout. And for Holistic Fitness Podcast listeners, you can get 20% off your first journal using the code HF podcast. Go to goalgettingjournal.com and type HF podcast at checkout to get your discount. So what are you waiting for? Order the Goal Getting Journal today and start getting your goals without burning out. I would love to challenge you on something and I think you probably would get challenged on this a, a bit. So before you mentioned that BMI means absolutely nothing. Now, um, so let's open up this conversation. There are a lot of studies out there, especially studies with regards to cardiovascular health. If you have a BMI of over 40, then then you're that's a risk factor. You know, I studied exercise science in my first year, then moved to biomedical science and lifestyle, like um, lifestyle and particularly having too much like body fat in particular on your body does open you up to more health issues, according to the science. So that's kind of my stance. I believe that that you can be healthy at any you can work towards health at any size, but certain body sizes, whether you're like too thin, you're underweight, or you're overweight, from what I see in the science, it opens you up to risk factors. So I'd love to know your stance on like antiquated BMI charts, as you said. Okay. That is a very fair question. And I will obviously tell you that anything I'm about to say is based in science, but my opinion. Okay, I'm not a doctor. I, okay. I, I don't have any degrees in any kind of doctor or physical. Okay, so let's just <laughs> start there. But, and I keep forgetting his name. I need to tattoo it on my hand for when I do that. <laughs> but in, you know, the late 1800s, a mathematician by the name of blah, 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 created the BMI chart. So what BMI is, is a math equation, mm-hmm. which doesn't ever take into account your bones, your muscles, just your body structure. Okay. Yes. So BMI, when you're over that number, you're, com- you're considered obese and into morbidly obese. Mm-hmm. My problem with that is that if you are going to tell someone that you are obese or morbidly obese based on a number, then you need to back that up by saying, now this is only talking about your body mass mm-hmm. index. That's what BMI stands for, your body mass index. I'm not taking into account the weight of your bones, your skeletal structure, your muscles. So if you're not going to explain that to me and you're going to make me leave this office, like I said, I feel like all doctors learn this. You have to move more and eat less and you don't have the, the um, enough information to give me on what do you mean by that? Then that's where the BMI and I have an issue. Okay. Right. That so, makes sense. So what I would love is for, and I don't know if they're willing I don't really know many doctors, 
to re-educate themselves to learn that what they're telling their patients is hollow information. You're giving me hollow information. And for people who come from different walks of life, who don't come from city life, who don't know what a gym looks like, who don't, you know, I just, I mean, there's so many circumstances that there's just such a disconnect for me. And that's Mm. where I get very angry about the BMI because like I said, it's just an antiquated math equation that doesn't tell me anything. Mm. Fair enough. (laughs) Yeah. The BMI, BMI is general. So it doesn't take it into account, as you mentioned, your skeletal lean muscle mass, um, or your body fat or your bone structure. I will agree with you in that regard. I would say BMI works for uh, you know, a certain amount of people. However, it doesn't work for a bodybuilder. A bodybuilder is always going to be told they're morbidly obese when, you know, muscle, as we know, weighs more than fat. And muscle also is the, you know, has a lot of mitochondria in it. So it's a high energy burning cell. So the more muscle mass you have, actually, the higher your calorie expenditure when you're resting because muscle mass is like high calorie expenditure. So you actually can eat a lot more when you have a lot of muscle mass. So I would say like if you hold a lot of muscle, BMI is definitely not going to work for you. But I think my argument is if you do have a high body fat percentage and if you're able, if your doctor tests you for a body fat percentage or you find a high body fat percentage um, at, you know, at a gym or your group fitness studio, my opinion is that you should love yourself as you are, even if you are 40%, 45% body fat, which may cause stress on your bones, may cause stress on your heart. Find a way to love yourself as you are, but also move towards health and look for ways to reduce your chances of cardiovascular disease and being able to move with your at your 80. That's my opinion as a fitness trainer. But I would agree with you in terms of BMI not being the be-all and end-all and not taking into account the holistic picture of when it comes to like your body composition. And that's beautifully said. And, and like we talked about earlier, I am respectful of you. You're allowed to have your opinion. You're allowed to believe what you believe. And the fact that you and I can sit here and have a very calm conversation about it is what I love about this. But like we also talked about in the beginning of this conversation is that those people that you're talking about in the high um, body fat percentage are the ones who are not coming to the gym, who are not hiring the trainers because they are so filled with shame. So Mm. that's the barrier that I'm trying to break with a bunch of other amazing people. We're trying to get that demographic into the health and wellness space and it's sad, uh, the huge disconnect of that demographic because of how they feel about themselves. Mm. So that's why I'm taking it way back. And it's like, okay, let's not start with the testing and the assessments and the, uh, let's not worry about that. Let's get to the bottom of why do you feel this way about your body and why won't you take a step in taking care of yourself? Mm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Like, I think we've assessed the problem here. So the problem here is like the messages we're fed from, you know, when we're 
when we're young and then people get themselves into a position, no matter what size they are, where they load themselves to the point where they're told one thing by a doctor, but they don't have the full picture. And now we're looking to be able to deconstruct that. So if you had somebody who, you know, maybe didn't know what we've been talking about today, they come to you, they're like, I am just too scared to go to a gym. I've been told I need to lose weight. I really don't like the way I am right now. I'm low on energy. How would you start to help them? You have to start by having a conversation and to gradually build trust with that person because it's trauma that they're carrying with them that makes them continue to live the way they live, right? If you, I mean, we've, we've kind of established that, and I might be simplifying it, but if you love yourself, you love who you are. You, you take that out into the world. And the first thing you do is what? You show yourself love. And that mm. means that you want to be the best version of yourself for as long as you have this body. So you mm. exercise, you eat right, you know, but you also don't invite added stresses to your life. So mm-hmm. we, let's say we have a person who is not there yet. Mm. We have to start the conversation with what do you want? for the rest of your life. Do you want to be happy? Do you want to feel good? Do you want to be, what do you want? And when you hear that story, then you can start to understand how to help them because not everyone's journey is linear and not everybody's way to get there is going to be the same way. I mean, Mm. I'm a prime example. I lived in that hell for 40 years until I woke up. So and I still know women, women in their 60s who are still telling themselves all this diet culture stuff. Mm. So it's not unfortunately linear. But what we can do is make sure that people feel seen and feel heard. And anytime someone comes to me in that space, I should be doing this. I know I need to, but I all that. No, no, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> Time out. What? Yeah. You don't have to do anything. This is your life. You get to live it however you want. So I ask them to visualize what does that happy whole life look like? And then that, that way I can help them because, you know, I was a trainer for 23 years. So my thought was like, okay, you're coming to me always. I want to lose weight. Okay. How does Rachel fix that? Well, I make you exercise, I make you do this, and then hopefully the weight comes off. (laughs) But now that I want to help people in a different way, I realize that it's much more emotional. Yeah, for sure. And I love that you brought up a few different things that actually stops people from executing on their goals. One of them being like the pent-up trauma. And then the other one, you know, if you're loving yourself, you don't invite additional stresses into your life. A lot of people are trying to eat less and move more, but yo-yoing at their habits, like never being able to implement it, not realizing that, you know, you're probably not lifting weights or walking outside or eating the foods that we know are great for us because you have too much on your plate. Like we need to take something off the plate before we add a few more habits in. (laughs) Oh yeah. And I think that women in general have the hardest time asking for help, you know? Mm. And I don't have children. I don't have pets. It's just me and my boyfriend. And I was like frustrated last night because I didn't want to put the salad together. I was like, can you just come help me? You know, and I didn't, I didn't realize that even a little thing by him making dinner for us that night would have made me 
feel like I could accomplish something else or even relax for a little bit. Mm. So I still find that I have a hard time asking for help. Uh, but I think it's something that I will continue to work on because when I do and I get the help I need, like I also get my needs met. So I'm mm. sure that every single woman out there and, and they're juggling jobs and husbands and dogs and kids. And I, I can't even imagine my head would explode, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I just think that if we re- realize, first of all, we're not alone. We all have this going on. And secondly, it's okay to ask for help. I'm wondering if that would shift some things. Yeah. I also have a really hard time with that, Rachel. And it's, and I think a lot of people do. It's funny because I'm dating at the moment and dating a person who actually like is quite lovely and and wants to do things for me and like says he'll do things for me, but I struggle with accepting the help. Like I feel like I need to reciprocate or be like, oh, he's taking me out on a date. Oh, I need to pay for the next date. Or like, um, you know, oh, he's making me dinner. Like, oh, what, what can I do? Like, what do I need to be doing rather than just like working on my business, working on my co- podcast and just allowing myself to receive the lovely dinner. It's it's insane how we kind of like put a lot of pressure and stress on ourselves too. Yes. I think the more we practice being in the present moment, and that can mean different things for everybody. For me, I find that meditating, and I would love to tell you that I'm super consistent with it, but that would be a Yay. lie. Oh. But- <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> but when I do do it, I do feel so much more like peaceful, like everything doesn't seem like a frenzy that I can. And I also do, one thing I do implement in my daily life is like, I have, you know, of course the running to-do list, but if I don't get to it that day, it's like, you know what, tomorrow, there's tomorrow's another day. I'm not going to beat myself up anymore because I didn't get to something. Because I think nine out of 10 times that frenzy we feel is self- um, what's the word I'm looking for? We do this to ourselves, right? Oh my God, I have to get this. And for women, I think we just need to take a breath and realize, guess what? Harris Teeter will be there tomorrow and Mm -hmm. uh, we can get it done tomorrow. If you don't know what Harris Teeter is, listeners, it's (laughs) the best grocery store in South Carolina. (laughs) Everyone, listen to this. If you like a beer every now and again, you can grab a beer or a wine and then walk through the bloody store. How American is shop. that? Yeah, right? grocery shop. With, yeah. Wine, with a beverage. I know. I When I first moved here, I was like, what is, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, with my ex from England, like that was one of the first places I took him. I was just like, you have to come to this grocery store. We can have a beverage <laughs> while shopping. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Should be one of like the top things to do. I think it's only in like North and South Carolina. Anyways, we digress. Something that I noticed that's a tangible tip that you've shared twice is reframing. So like reframing kind of, you know, what our priority list is, what our to-do list is. But the other thing you mentioned earlier was getting rid of those I shoulds or those I have tos and and turning them into something else. Something else you've noted, you've shared as a tangible tip is like visualizing. So I'd love for you to especially maybe dive because we all have an internal dialogue going on all the time. And in my opinion, that's the thing that is causing the shame and is causing that continuous kind of... Um, stress in your life. Do you have any other like strategies of reframing or any other strategies that helps like um, calm down that dialogue? Yes. 
I, um, I know I'm here promoting my own book, but there's a book that I love and I actually reread and re-listen to the auto audio book version of it at least once a year because it talks about that. It's called the untethered soul by Michael. Mm. And it really talks about how he calls it your inner roommate because like literally your mind never shuts up. And I think it's so valuable to learn how to understand that it's you in there doing all that talking. It might have a different voice or whatever, but it's you. And the more you can become aware that you're doing all this craziness to yourself, you can learn how to calm your mind and you can learn how to not sweat the small stuff. I think that we listen to that inner chatter like it's gold. Like that's the rules that we have to abide by. And Mm. it really is just pent up energy in there. And I think that's, if I can tell you anything that helps that is moving your body. Like our bodies are meant to move. And the more that we expend energy like that in a positive way, this stuff becomes less and less and quieter. So Mm. I know that if I'm just like feeling this buzz going on, it's like, I need to go for a walk. I need to go to the gym. I need to do whatever I need to do. And I've gotten much better at respecting that and listening to that and giving myself the time to go do that. Hey, Holistic Fitness fam, a quick message from one of our sponsors, Ned. As you all know, I recommend good nutrition, movement, and stress management practices before supplementing so you know what type of supplementation that your body actually needs. For me, I supplement with very few products, but Ned is one of them. I'm a type A, high-energy, ambitious business girly with massive goals, and sometimes I honestly just need to chill out and relax a bit. I've found that both Ned's de-stress and sleep blends fit in with my busy lifestyle and ambitious goals, but I was honestly not a big fan of CBD products before trying Ned, mostly because of the culture surrounding weed. I just didn't want something that was going to alter my state of mind so that I became much less of a goal-getter or less ambitious. That was until I learned about full-spectrum hemp and their benefits. Ned blends a chock full of premium CBD and a full-spectrum hemp of active cannabinoids. Ned's full-spectrum hemp oil nourishes the body's endocannabinoid system to offer functional support for stress, sleep, inflammation, and balance. These products are science-backed, nature-based solutions that offer an alternative to prescription and over-the-counter drugs. All of Ned's full-spectrum hemp oil is extracted from USDA-certified organic hemp plants grown by an independent farmer named Jonathan in Colorado. I'm obviously a big fan, but don't take just my word for it. Ned CBD products have over 2,000 five-star reviews, and they work with incredible partners in the medical field like Dr. Caroline Leaf, Dr. Christian Gonzalez, and Dr. Will Cole. Ned is providing Holistic Fitness podcast listeners a very special discount. If you'd like to give Ned a try, listeners get 15% off Ned products with the code Lori Lee, L-O-R-I-L-E-E. Thanks, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering a natural remedy to bring balance to so many people's well-being. Movement. It is... I think that there are so many benefits to movement that we just don't even realize. And I think it was on the um, the 
the Huberman podcast and he was talking about meditation. And often people who overthink and have a lot going on in their brain, he was saying, don't necessarily need like sitting down meditations. They need like movement meditations, like walking meditations, like being mindful through movement because it's not like it's when they're still that their brain is chattery. Um, and I found that really interesting because I'm massive into meditation. You know, did my 10-day Vipassana when I was in India, like yoga teacher, all the things. But I would like agree with him. I am my best self the more I'm moving. Like whether it's yoga, fitness, running, walking. Um, walking, by the way, highly underrated. Um, everyone should probably walk more. Um, I shouldn't put my shit on to you, but like walking's great. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like movement, I just feel like has so many sneaky health benefits that we've only scratched the surface of. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my I'm going to quote my boyfriend here and he says, our bodies are meant to move. And that's true, right? If you think about all the amazing things we can just do, that's movement, right? I'm reaching yeah. for this. I'm picking this up. I'm bending over to get something. You're, you're a mother. You, bend, you pick up your kid. I mean, why would we need to do those things if we weren't capable? I think if we simplify movements, like you said, it can be anything. And that's what I love to tell women. Start swimming, walk, dance. You don't have to sit in a gym for two hours, but if you want to, that's great too. But there's so many ways to move your body that mm -hmm. it's, it's endless. It's endless. And I do love the way that you mentioned like reaching something in for something in the cupboard and, and thinking about the ways we move in everyday life. I was actually having a conversation with someone and I was asking them about their gym routine and it was mostly machine weights. And they said that they were like didn't really want to use the barbells. They weren't comfortable yet and they didn't quite know how to optimize their routine. And I said, well, let's say you were moving and you had to push your fridge. Do you think pushing on a machine is more like that movement or pushing with a barbell is more like that movement? And they were like, well, pushing with a barbell because it's more unstable. It's like, well, that's why actually the question is why a stabilizer is important. And it's like, well, that's why stabilizers are important because you're stabilizing in everyday life. And, and, and you don't have to do a really boring gym routine where you, you push different weights and stuff like that. It's, you know, everyday life movements, whether it is a barbell or dancing or swimming, that's going to help us be more like functionally fit and able to like move the house and move things around when we're 80. Absolutely. And you can even elaborate on what you just said. And yes, you know, the more you push with free weight, barbells, dumbbells, kettlebells, you are incorporating all your muscles. All yes. your muscles. If you're sitting in a machine, you're just isolating that chest muscle. And that's fine. But like you said, I mean, when do you just sit down at the refrigerator and have to pull it or push it? That will never exactly. happen. You have to get your legs into it, your, you know, your quads, your calves, your core. So that's why. Even though, and I'll be super honest, in my beginning of my career, I did teach people how to use machines. And I do think that they're a good addition, but you will never catch me teaching someone how to squat in, in a machine. Like, yes. let's really squat. So yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah, it is a good way to get people into the gym. I won't lie if they like just feel really uncomfortable in the gym and it's like, all right, let's start with machines. But eventually we want to be 
um, getting those stabilizers in. I'm really curious about your book. Sorry, I'm doing a complete 180 here. But I just thought of, <laughs> I thought of the, the cronut we were speaking about earlier. And I'm like, oh, the Donut Diaries. Um, so Rachel's book, it's named The Donut Diaries. What do you talk about in your book? And it, like, if we, you were to give like a too long, didn't read to everyone, um, you know, what can they expect by reading a book? I absolutely love that I wrote my book in the sense that like you and I are just having this great conversation. I wanted to tell my story of, you mm -hmm. know, my past experiences with dieting and, and all that morphing into what we've talked about today and how I really have learned to love myself and love my body. And it's just my journey. And I wanted it to come across like two girlfriends were having a conversation and I obviously love self-help books. I, the untethered soul, I should have it tattooed on my arm, but I didn't want my book to come across like that. I really wanted it to be, you know, informational, a fun read for it to sound like me. But the message that everyone is going to take away is that you are not alone. Mm, I love that. It's, it's, I feel like that sense of community is so important because like we're tribal beings at the end of the day, like as your boyfriend says, like we were meant to move, like we're meant to be a part of a tribe as well. So having that book where you're teaching people, hey, you're not meant to be alone and and having that conversation and helping people feel seen and heard and validated is so important. Yes. Rachel, is there anything that we haven't touched on this podcast that you think like listeners really wanted to need to know and that you really wanted to share? Well, we did touch on it, but I guess if I could just elaborate just on, you know, the two things that if we start really championing, championing, I can't say it. Championing. <laughs> For each other, I really believe that we're going to start to see some change. Yes. And two, remember that your body is none of anyone else's business. Love that. Your body is none of anyone else's business. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, that actually gives me a little bit of like, ugh, with um, one of my exes, the one I was talking about with the Harris Teeter kind of walkthrough and, and the comments <laughs> on my body. And I liked my body. So that's that was good for me in terms of like when he made comments about my body. I'm like, mind your own fucking business. But I don't know, the fact that me within like what looks like and what is a healthy body weight range and, and put on maybe 5% body fat throughout the course of the relationship over COVID um, can kind of get that negative messaging from people that you love. Like I, I feel as though we need to learn how to like champion our own bodies and tell people to mind their own business and walk away from people who tell us, make comments when we've set that boundary. Yeah. And let's also iterate, reiterate on that. Like, that person mm. in your life was projecting his beliefs onto you. And yeah. I really would hope that people would become more mindful of that because in addition to it not being your business, it's like you obviously have your own shit to deal with and don't project that on me. Like mm -hmm. you're only making the person you love feel bad. So men, mm. <laughs> exactly and I'm sure women do it to men as well like you know it's it's um but yeah any like as I said earlier if people are saying something that they probably should then mind their own business about it's more of a reflection of their inner inner feelings than it is your own mm -hmm. mm. 
I do have a final question on this podcast before we get to where people can find find you, uh, Rachel. And that question is, if you were sitting across the table right now from your 20-year-old self, what one sentence of advice would you give her? I would tell 20-year-old Rachel that you are already the things that you think you're not. Ooh, I love that. You are already the things that you think you're not. Ooh. I feel like 30-year-old Lori can take that away. That's I awesome. I feel like really anyone can. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that one sentence of advice. I'm sure there are so many people that have listened to this conversation, Rachel, and really connected with your message and want to learn more about you. Where can people buy your book, find you on the socials and get to know you better? Yes, please come find me. I love having <laughs> conversations. And honestly, I, I, love, I, I love talking with other women. So if you ever find that you just want to talk, please email me, call me, send me a DM. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, all under Rachel Lavin Wellness. My website is also Rachel Lavin Fitness. And my book, The Donut Diaries, is on Amazon. You can also find it through my website. It'll take you straight to Amazon, but I'm sure most people know how to maneuver Amazon. (laughs) Yes. No, I've absolutely loved having you on the podcast, Rachel. And you and I are going to have to catch up sometime. Even, I don't know, find a local market. I know Social House is doing local markets and and sell my goal-getting journal and your donut diaries there. And I don't know, do like a, a thing together seeing as my local. It's been wonderful getting to know you. And I'm sure that the listeners have just really enjoyed this conversation as well. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'll see you soon. (laughs) Yes, definitely. And for everybody listening at home, in the car, cleaning the house, whatever you're up to today, eat well, move well, breathe well. And until next time, keep shining.